0: In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one Amen. We'll continue our study in the book of Song of Songs. Just a quick reminder, you guys remember from last time, we said the author of this book is Solomon. Solomon comes from the word Shalom, means peace. So he is the person that the Lord chose to write the best praise, the best description of the relationship between God and the human soul in the Old Testament. So he is representation of the king of peace he was the wisest man of his time he's known to be artistic he's known to be creative and he this is the person that god chose to build the temple and this is the same person that god chose for us that he can describe the relationship between god and humanity and we said last time that solomon himself went through different stages in his spiritual life he was raised in the church He did wonderful things. He saw miracles. He saw visions. And then, unfortunately, he drifted away from God. And then many of the fathers say that he actually eventually repented and he came back. We also said that this book is understood as typology. I want to be careful. Last time I made a distinction between allegory and typology. Typology is for us. It affirms the places and the location It also allows us to understand things in a symbolic meaning. And we said we divided the books into different sections. So we are in the section where it describes the initial grace. So if you, for example, get a, you've been to a monastery trip and you felt very touched by God. You've been to a mission trip and you felt very touched by God. You went somewhere and something changed. One person was just saying he was praying and uh, the bishop was making the sign of the cross Peace be with you. And he told me something happened inside my heart. I felt like God filling my heart. So we're talking about the initial grace. What's the initial grace? Initial grace is a period where I feel God is so close. And finally, I've heard about God so much in Sunday school. I've, my mom talked about God so much. This is the first time that me personally kind of taste Him. So last, last week we started chapter 1 talking about human soul. Talking about her beloved. And right now we're at first, verse seven. This is the last thing that the human gonna say before she hears the voice of her beloved for the first time. So that her beloved is right next to her. So in the initial grace, people feel that God is really close to them. So verse seven says, Tell me, O you whom I love, where you feed your flock, where you make it where do you make it rest at noon, for why should I be the one who veils herself by the flock of your companions? So he's telling him, tell me the one, the one whom I love. And it's important because when you define God this way, the one whom I love, it means the one I've dedicated all my love to. And it's important for us to keep that in mind. Do I dedicate all my love to God or not? That's why in Luke 14, 26, it says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife, children, brother, sister, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple." So now I'm walking with God whom I love. He is everything. And I only love through him. And where does she wanna meet him? She wanna meet him outside the city. What happened outside the city? The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was crucified outside Jerusalem. And where, what time does she wanna meet him? At noon. Lord Jesus Christ was crucified at noon in the sixth hour, why noon? Nobody wants to walk in the heat of the day. What does that mean? If you guys remember the gospel we read during the sixth hour, the sixth hour is the crucifixion of Lord Jesus Christ. We don't read a gospel about the cross, but what do we read? We read the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Why? Because if the Lord carried the cross, then what is my cross? How do I meet the Lord? It is by poverty in spirit. It is by hunger for righteousness. It is by doing the work of the beatitude. So the soul is also very focused on the idea of meeting God in a hidden place because the best way to have virtue is for it to be hidden. The best way to carry the cross it is for it to be hidden because that's how the person truly glorifies God. And it shows that God is lifting the cross with them and carrying the cross with them. Here the soul she's telling him show me because I don't really know she's asking for direction but look at here the soul refers to her beloved earlier she referred to him as a king now she refers to him as a shepherd okay and being God being a shepherd it shows her understanding of the relationship between her and God God everything depends on you every direction every thought every prayer every conversation everything depends on you you are my shepherd sheep are known to be the most stupid animals in the world you know like when the sheep is panicking you know what he does if the sheep is panicking you know what he does where he stands where he is and starts screaming going one step this way Then takes the step back and goes another way. Takes the step back. So he screams. He wastes all his energy over half an hour. But he moves nowhere. Very foolish enemy. Very helpless. Doesn't know what to do. You are my shepherd. That's what happens in initial grace. I realize that God is my shepherd. You know i I was thinking about this in the feast of the cross the greatest thing anybody can choose somebody is to take all the shame and all the embarrassments and die for them while they hate them that's why the bible says while we were sinners god still died for us you know if you if you're a rich person and you know let's say you have like you know Uh, maybe Elon Musk or something have 170 billion dollars you can give your child maybe 3 billion 5 billion it's pretty good but you haven't really given yourself you haven't really sacrificed yourself if God gave us himself on earth how much would he give us on heaven if the cross is the greatest act of love what will we receive in heaven? And then she's asking him, where do you feed your flocks? Where are, where are your children? Where are those whom I need to be close to? Any person who experiences the initial grace, you'll find them getting closer to church. You'll find them immediately coming to church more. Practicing confession more, praying the Agpaya more, reading more. Why? Because there is a desire. There is love. Look here. The f- so so far, the initial grace. She 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 only God is next to her, but she haven't heard his voice yet. Now, the first time God will speak. The human he speak to the human soul. What does he say? If you do not know O fairest among women, follow in the footstep of the flock. And feed your little goods beside the shepherd's tents. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something off top, and then come back. I was, as I was reading this. You know, there's a nice book called Five Languages of Love, right? It talks about how there are five languages, like you know, touch, quality time, word of affirmation, all this stuff. When you read, when you read the Song of Songs, you feel the language of God is presence. He only speaks few words. But he's always there. And if I want to replicate the love of God, I have to also be present. God only started answering her when she asked a question. And that's really important. Because a lot of us sometimes want to experience God in a specific way. But he's present. Can I be also present. In, 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 with him all the time. The Lord tell her. If you do not know. You should follow the steps of the flock. What does that mean? He tells her if you do not know the way. Follow the people before you. Follow the life of the saints. Follow the sacraments of the church. Follow the seasons of the church. You know it's um, it's really nice because god is saying follow the footsteps and not saying follow me directly why one of the fathers said something beautiful he said a sheep cannot lift up her, his head high he can only look under his feet if the sheep lifts up his head too high he gets tired So the easiest thing for me to see is the footprints of those before me. The easiest thing for me to see is how Pope Carlos lived. How the church lives. The easiest thing for me to experience the cross is to come during Holy Week and pray day and night and fast and do Matanias. Follow the footsteps of before me. That's why St. Paul says, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Remember, the Gospels and the Bible were written about 20 years after our Lord ascended to heaven, up to 100. So that's about, about almost 60 years after our Lord Jesus Christ went to heaven, the Gospel was being written. So people lived that period simply by following the footsteps of those who are before Before him. That's why. For me for example. When I speak with my father of confession. Every time I ask him a question. The first thing he tells me. We have received this. We have learned this. This is something that he always. Gives us. The other thing. That he also here he says. He says follow the footsteps of the flock. I want to tell you guys something. Any path you walk in has footsteps. You have a parent who has a child and listen, this child comes back at home at ten and the dad is so scared, so worried. And you have another father who have a child that comes in at two a.m., and the father doesn't care. Why? Because the child that comes at ten, the father knows he's a troublemaker. Gets himself in drugs, gives himself in issues, doesn't do well in school. He knows when he's out there's no good. But the kid, for example, if a father has a child who serves and does and goes and comes, even if he comes late, he knows his son is doing something right. You have to be careful because there is footsteps of the spiritual life. There is footsteps of the spiritual life. And I cannot be walking in two opposite directions at once. It does not work. Now, the soul, the the Lord is telling her what? O fairest among women. This is, by the way, not a compliment. God is not complimenting the soul. When the soul desires to see God outside the city, to experience His love, God tells her, You're so beautiful because each one of us as I was telling you last time is loved in a very different way her desire to know him and her her willingness to fight to see him made her so beautiful God looks at her and be like wow you came all the way outside the city you woke up so early to come to liturgy you came you waited in line to confess you stayed up late to pray Wow, you are fairest among the women. You are the most beautiful. I cannot imagine how much I am touched and loved by your, this act of love. For this is not a compliment, this is a reality. And then she's telling him... Uh, and feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tent. I want to focus on this a little bit more. She's telling him, follow. He's telling her, follow on the footsteps of the flock and feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tent. What is he saying here? He's saying that each one of us is running toward God, but each one of us has little goats that he's responsible for. Whether your son, your school kids, whether your children, whether your cousins, brothers, whatever it is. So I am running toward God and I'm bringing people with me. I am not I am not pointing people to go to God and I'm standing behind watching. And look what he's saying he's telling he's telling her feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tent. It's not a single it's a purer. Why? Because God is saying that I want you to follow and be in the footsteps of the shepherds I have appointed for you. That's why we see in Jeremiah 3.15, it says, I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. The fact that we have shepherds who are according to the heart of God is a tremendous gift and imagine imagine with me in that just last period of time that we lived in we had you know, not maybe all of us were alive but many people we had Pope Carlos, we had Pope Schnuda had Abuna B'Shoy we had Father Abuna Faltaos Abuna Fanous count hundreds and maybe thousands of people that we don't know the gift to have shepherd is a blessing from God but then the question that the Lord is telling the soul he told her he's telling her if you do not know it seems like she should have known where God is What does that mean? God is always where there is sacrifice. God is always where there is self-giving. That's why when Philip told told him, Lord, show us the Father, it's sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, I have been with you so long, yet you have not known me. You're still doubting. You still do not know a while ago somebody came to me told me something interesting he said I I hear I hear a voice inside my, my heart that tells me all day long I love you he told me it's a voice that I never, it's not me and it's very warm and it's fairly fatherly like then he told me do you think it's God I looked at him and I told him, You should know. Shame on you if you don't know. Why doubt? I was reading this morning to one of the saints, she said something beautiful. She said, The one thing that prevents us from becoming children of God is doubt. She said that God wants each one of us to become a saint and the devil makes us give up on ourselves and say we will never be saints but she said as long as we live and we breathe God is not done with us we only have to open our hearts to God a little bit for God is telling her do not doubt you have tasted this And by the way, the initial grace is very important because the Bible says, remember your first love. So how should I remember the first love? He said, do the work of the first love. So remember when you were close to God and you were on cloud nine? Yes, I remember. What did you do? Oh, I used to spend time reading a lot. I used to go to church a lot. I used to want to serve anybody all the time. If you don't feel it, Go back to the first act of love. Then the Lord says, I have compared you, my love. See how beautiful it is. I have compared you, my love, to my emmer among Pharaoh's chariots. So, God is starting to talk to the human soul and describe her beauty and Tell her I love you in so many different ways, because that specific human soul have responded to the grace of God. Some people get the initial grace of God and, knew, and do nothing. Or sometimes they get the initial grace of God and start talking to other people. I remember, a while ago, I was in the monastery as a group of youth, and one some person came and told me, Abuna, I feel like. I don't know. I just want to cry out of joy for how much God loves me and every time I go speak with a monk or anybody else I don't feel satisfied I said yes because you shouldn't be talking to anybody you should be talking to God at this point so those who respond to his grace what does God say he says I've compared you my love to my embers among fairest shirts." obviously it is very common in the eastern culture to describe People with animals feature. Like for example, in the church we describe abuna Ta'uz, we describe describe him as the eagle of the desert. Okay? Uh, one of the bishops in, in Upper Egypt they, they describe him as the lion of Upper Egypt. So it's a very common expression, and it's also a very common expression to describe the beauty of, of in the in the Eastern culture of young ladies with actually how beautiful some animals are. So he's telling, and also similarly, can describe the strength or the behavior or the attitude of a guy with also some animal character. So Amr is a female horse, and it was never used to draw the chariot of pharaohs, which just usually it's a beautiful female horse that the the pharaoh, the emperor usually keeps. And pharaohs, the Egyptian horses were known to be the best among all horses, But the royal horses would be even the best of the best. Okay? So God is telling her, I have seen you. I have compared you my love, to my amar among Pharaoh's chariots. Imagine a female horse. One of the most beautiful female horses walking out among all these horses. It's almost like you have a really beautiful person walking out among all their friends. He's taking a step forward, free. I stand here. it's almost when I see you you take my breath away I can't wait to hear your voice you know like there are there are verses in the scripture that tells us that there are some people that God waits for their prayer he's longing to hear their voice So he's telling when I see you. There are so many people around you. But when you come forward, wow. This is not a compliment. This is God describing how he sees us with human understanding. God sees me and sees you when we come to church as one beautiful child among many and he can't wait to hear your voice he says your cheeks are lovely with ornaments your neck with chains of gold so in the old days maybe if you have seen old movies but fair chariots the horses they actually decorate them they're not just the 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 emperor's horses they would not be just any horses they put like gold chains around them they make them look nice they look fancy they belong to the emperor at the end of the day pharaoh so it's a big it's a big thing so he's telling here your cheeks lovely with ornaments and your neck with the chains of gold The ornaments, some of the fathers say, they are the kisses of God that God has given the human being earlier when she told him, kiss me with the kisses of your love, the kisses of your mouth. And the ornaments are the virtues of the human soul. God looks at the human cheeks and sees the impact of the kisses and the prayers on them. God looks at your face and sees tears of repentance and tears of joy. He sees the grace of God because you see him so much is imprinted on your, on your cheeks. He says, when I see you, you're so beautiful. One time I read to one of the saints, they said something beautiful. They asked God, they said, told God, God, give me your heart that I may offer it back to you. The greatest gift I can offer God is his own heart. And your neck with the chains of gold. The neck represents the human willingness to obey God. That's why, for example, in the Old Testament, God will describe the people as being stiff-necked people. See this in Deuteronomy 6.9. Therefore, understand that the Lord, your God, is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness for you are a stiff-necked people. God is not giving you this land because you're good. You are actually disobedient. And Jesus, his own disciple, doubted him in Mark 6.52. And he says, For they have not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. So when God, God looks at me as an obedient child... He crowns me with gold, with chains of gold. By the way, chains of gold, in the old days, they did not have a diamond ring as a proposal. They would have something like uh, a chain of gold as a sign of dowry or proposal or marriage. The, the, the virtue of obedience to the word of God makes me chained with gold. Be careful, because if you look at our day, maybe we live most of our day in a state of disobedience. If you look at how often you're constantly searching through your phone, wasting time, idle talks, watching sports, just extra sleep, extra this, extra that, I am missing on loving God. I am missing on a beautiful relationship. How can I sleep through it? How can I sleep through it? And that's why the Lord says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The obedience to God is not something heavy. It is actually very light. And a lot of people, for example, even when they start the great lent, if they're truly asking God for help, they say, if I ask God to help me to fast, God gives them the power to fast and to enjoy it. And people some people start the the Lent with all these bad plans. Abuna I'm going to the gym, can I have protein bars? Abuna I'm going here. I don't like this. I don't like most of the food. I don't like this. That I should be praying to God and asking Him, how can I be adorned with humility? The first sign of humility is obedience. Now, remember, I was telling you last time there are four groups. This is a song that's, that the people are singing. There are four groups. There is a the soul that's being loved, the beloved. And there are the daughter of Jerusalem. The daughter of Jerusalem are the saints before us. So the daughter of Jerusalem are responding and saying, We will make you ornaments of gold with studs of silver. So when the soul gets closer to God and receives virtues from Him and becomes beautiful, other saints in the church would look at this soul and learn from it and start. Developing a relationship with that soul. You see, the difference between the love and the world is that people are competing with each other in the world. But within the family of God, saints want everybody to be holy for God. Because I'm not competing for God's love. There is a specific place for me that nobody else can take. And the closer... I can experience that, that love is by me bringing people to God and me learning from other people. But the saints start looking at me when I start getting closer to God and they start also decorating me. Look here, he says they said, one of the fathers said they said golden ornaments, not gold itself. So the saints can only put like golden, like fake earrings and fake you know, fake, uh, fake necklace and all that stuff because gold comes from the bridegroom himself. They're not giving me gold but they are giving me sometimes people can give you encouragement they can give you praise they can give you guidance all these things are ornaments but they're not the gold itself. That's why I have to be careful about what I receive from people. What I receive from people. And quite often when people start tasting God, this becomes a bit of a problem. Because when they start tasting God so much, they come to church and they start talking about God and showing their love to God and all that stuff. And then people start, you know, praising them and learning from them. But then at some point, people forget the love of God and seek that fake gold, that fake ornaments. And that's not what God is talking about. St Augustine says, "Because your life is hidden with Christ in God, Christ, your, your life shall appear, then you too will appear in Him with Him in glory. Because you have had a hidden relationship with God. Sometime God will make you glow and be glorified in the Council of the saints." Now the soul continues to talk. She's saying, "While the king is at his table. My spike, spike, Nord sends forth its fragments. Now, people around her are telling her, you're so beautiful, you're so this, but her main focus uh, is on her relationship with God. So she's saying, when I'm sitting at the king's table, king's table is a table for people who are very intimate to God, very close to God. And if you guys remember in the life of disciples, our Lord had 12 disciples very close to Him. He had three that were super, super close. And He had one that was super, super, super close. One time there's a story in the Paradise Fathers where there was an elder monk and he had a very beloved disciple. So some of the other elders came and told him, the monks are complaining because they feel like you favor that one specific monk. He told them, I don't. But he's the only one that responds. And not come with me. He knocked on the first door of the first son. Told him, I'm outside. Can I let me in? I'll wait for me. And he let him wait outside for a little bit. They kept going from one cell to another. Once he knocked on this child's so, once he heard his father's footsteps, he came outside. Who runs to God is the one who becomes intimate to him. And she's saying, she's saying I sat at the stable and my spiked nard sends forth its, frag- its fragrance. Obviously, that reminds us of the woman who washed the feet of our Jesus Christ. How did she wash it? Remember, I was telling you, it, you know, my own impression is the language of God is Silence. This woman who washed the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ, she said nothing. And sometimes I wonder how many of my own prayers were silence. Did I ever silence myself in the presence of God? The woman that had the, the spike the spike nord, basically she took all her life saving and she put it on the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the way just to let you guys know in the, old, in the old time of the Jews to uncover your hair or loosen your hair was a sign that you're a prostitute this woman broke the, spi- the spike knot on his feet and she loosened her hair To wash his feet. She is becoming the most vulnerable person in the presence of God. We sometimes become vulnerable with people. And we like to talk about our problems to others. And now we have to pay somebody to hear you talk. But the one person that cares the most. That I can be the most vulnerable with is God. He cares the most. He loves the most. And then, look at this. This, this by the way, there's something I just want to highlight here. He says, my Spike, sp- uh, spike nard sends forth, in another, in a better translation, the Septuagint, it says, his fragrance. I'm not sending my own fragrance. I'm sending his fragrance. When I'm getting closer to God I am smelling like him. The smell of love. The smell of sacrifice. The smell of humility. You know like when you meet somebody within a few minutes it's easy kind of to feel is this person easy to talk to or not? Is it comfortable to speak to him or not? She's saying that the closer I get to him, his smell is everywhere. People see him in me all the time. So I am not generating a smell. I am breaking myself and his smell comes out. She's saying this is all that stuff is the is the is the soul describing the love of God. And obviously. These, are, these are, are, are people who are using everything they know in the Old Testament to describe the love to God. What if I'm talking to God today, having all the things we have, having all, the, having all the nice cars and nice homes and nice vacations and nice things we see. How would I describe my love to God? She's telling him, a bundle of myrrh is my beloved to me that lies all night between my breasts. So she's almost explaining why she smells good. Okay, So myrrh is a sticky gum that was used from, uh, from southern Arabia. And it was used to make holy oil that is used for the tabernacle. And actually we'll find this in Exodus 30. And also myrrh was associated with death and preserving process of the bodies. That's why in Mark fifteen twenty three. They, then they give him wine mingled with merit to drink but he did not take it. Okay? So she's talking here about that her beloved to her, God to her, is the oil that makes her live a holy life dedicated to God. Her source of holiness comes from God. And she's talking about how her relationship with God makes her belittle the world. And then she says, that lies all night one of the saints described our whole life as a one big night and then the resurrection is our morning she's saying that I am I am enjoying this consecration and dedication to God like the temple I'm enjoying the death of my killing my old man all night long this process of subjecting my body and Denying the worldly desire all night long, until what until the dawn comes, until the resurrection comes. The most important thing to her is to keep her beloved to her all night together, all her life. she says she says, a bundle of mirrors, my beloved to me, that lies all night between my breast. So you guys know in the old days a woman would keep her her bottle of perfume or fragrance right between her breast. Because that's the most valuable thing to her and she does not want anybody to steal it. Now what is between the breast is the heart. And the fathers of church are saying that she is keeping her beloved in her heart undivided. She's offering him her undivided heart. That's why Gregory of Nessa says the location of the heart is set by expert to lie between the two breasts. Here where the bride says that she has the packet in which her treasure is. God is constantly in her heart. You know like um, when you think about what you desire and what you want in this life and what you're running after. It will reveal to you if God is truly in your heart or not. The groanings of my heart does it ask for God or not? That's why it's important for me to remember God everywhere I go. And that was the commandment that the Lord gave the Israelites in Deuteronomy. He says, therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your hearts and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hands and they shall be as a frontlets between your eyes you shall teach them to your children speak of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way when you lie down when you rise up when you sh- and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens above the earth you know if we follow this commandments god will be everywhere if you go to your room you go to your house you go to your car is everywhere around the walls you have things reminds you of god Things in your car, your own music, your own your own books, your own shows. When we have conversations, what are the conversations about? God says speak about these things all the time. All the time. People will say, but it's too much. Then what are you talking about? Oh, I'm talking about my relationship with my girlfriend. Wow. This is the love that's taking your heart. You still have not kept the Lord between your breast inside your heart. What's consuming you is something else. Sometime, people run to God because... They're seeking an earth relationship. And once they have the earth relationship, they abandon God. Because the foundation was never him. God is saying, keep me in your heart. Because God keeps us in his heart. And then she says, "My beloved to me is a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyard of Engadi." You guys obviously know what's the henna. You have the night of henna that before the wedding, it's like uh, this sort of uh, group of flowers that produce like a yellow and orange dye. And that's why you start people making, you know, all these drawings on their hands and faces and all that stuff the night before the wedding. So some scholars they will say henna makes the ugly beautiful because it's like a sort of way of, you know you dye your hair you dye your you, you dye your nails all this stuff so it's like it's something that beautifies the person so she's telling God you are making the darkness of my soul beautiful makes me more attractive the one of the most beautiful things about the henna is not only the dye but it also has a beautiful smell. She's telling them that he is—he is the ma- the main reason I look good. He's the main reason I smell good. He's the main reason that people see good in me. Sometimes when people say I'm a good person, wow. Is this something that you think comes from you, or is a gift from God to you? And there are some people cannot, unless between every sentence say thank God one of the Jewish rabbis uh, in one of the schools he says the cluster of Henna, he called it the Kopar is similar to the binding of, of Isaac because he was bound like a cluster and actually if you look in Genesis 22.9 then they came to the place of which God had told him And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. So that same word that's used to binding Isaac is the same word that's used as the cluster of henna when they are bound. Why does God make me look good? Why does God make me smell good? Because the sacrifice of the cross. The sacrifice of Isaac is a type of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. When when I see kids walking in the church with a necklace without the cross, what a shame. What a shame. What makes you look good is the cross. If you're wearing a necklace to look good like people of the world, shame on you. You should be... He should, the, I want the whole world to know that my, my beauty comes from God. But those who don't wear a cross, they are not even beautiful. So it doesn't matter because they are going to make the cross look bad. The children of God should love to wear the cross. He is the source of everything I have. He told me God loves me because, not just because he created me that he gave me everything beyond my imagination. Beyond my imagination. And then she's saying a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyard of Engad. What's Eng- Engad? Engadj is a place where wild goats used to kind of go and feed. And Engad, according to some of the Jewish scholars, is a place where the sacrificial wine was brought in so people would would uh, if they want to bring a sacrificial wine they will actually bring it from engage so look at here this is part of the jewish writing um, they said and uh, the ark he put the ark to other tablets and appointed aaron's son as priest to offer sacrifice on the altar and to pour the wine on the sacrifice what hence did they have wine to pour Were they not not in the desert? No proper place for agriculture. They had no figs, vineyards, or pomegranates. But they went to the vineyards of Engaj and took from the cluster of the graves and pressed the wine from them and poured it on the altar for each lamb. So Engaj reminds us of the wine that was poured on the altar after the sacrifice. Engaj reminds me of the Eucharist. Reminds me of the Eucharist. What makes me so beautiful? What makes me smell good? What makes me feel so gracious? Is the fact that I am united to God. One of the saints said that heaven looks at us and astonished by the amount of mercy and love that God gives us. and the devil himself envies us. When we come outside the liturgy, and we are full of, of, of joy of the presence of God, the devil wants to cause issues because he would never have even dreamt to experience what we experience. The devil asks God, I want to be you. And God says, you are, you are done. But God tells us, I want you to be with, united with me. Without us even asking. God says I'm offering you myself. Without you asking. Isn't that beautiful? When you leave the liturgy. Spend at least just five minutes. When you you take communion. Just singing. From your heart. Just rejoicing. From the depth of your heart. Because this is one of the most amazing moments of your life. Every communion is different. And every unity with God tastes different. That's why His Holiness Pope Carlos can attend the liturgy every day. And can enjoy God in a different way every time. Next time we'll see the response of the beloved, the Lord to this beautiful praise by the human soul. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.